Welcome to Decrypt, Asia's first blockchain and cryptocurrency podcast. I'm your host, Tushar. Each week, we take a deep dive into the Asian blockchain scene with investors, technologists, and industry insiders. Go to decrypt.asia to subscribe to our newsletter and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram to join in the discussions. Welcome to the show, Andrew. Uh, hey, uh, thanks for having me. So before we jump into what you're building, could you give us a quick introduction about yourself, how you came to be involved in the blockchain and cryptocurrency space and what you're up to right now? Uh, sure. Um, I come from a background in systems engineering and was very fortunate to be involved with some open source uh, projects early in my career um, and then moved on to uh, to take in a role as uh, CTO in a fast-growing company. Um, after that, uh, I did venture capital for a few years. And actually, the project Tangem is uh, the first project in a, in a few years that uh, I dropped everything for and I'm completely dedicated to. Um, and when it comes to blockchain, I think, uh, well... Being generally a geek, um, I it popped uh, on my radar back in uh, 2009 and 10. Um, you know, just reading news on hacking news, and I was always mostly interested uh, from the start in its potential to become a new foundation layer for uh, the internet and the business processes on on the internet. Um, and le- much less interested in its uh, monetary functions and value and like all the potential of um, basically uh, making some money on it. And actually when it started um, getting a lot more loud uh, on everyone's radar, uh, maybe a few years later, two thousand around 2013, 14, 15, um, then I actually tried to maybe instinctively and reactively distance myself a little bit uh, from it because most of the projects uh, that were capitalizing on the speculative aspect of Bitcoin and uh, other emergent uh, blockchain technologies, uh, they were obvious to like an, an eye of an engineer. Uh, they were obviously... Uh, just trying to, you know, just uh, uh, on the side of hype rather than uh, real innovation. And only very few select projects were uh, quite um, qu- quite interesting and potentially groundbreaking. Um, and so uh, when, uh, when we as a team, uh, so T- Tangem uh, as a project, it, it grows around and grew around, uh, this very rare team of uh, secure micro, microelectronics engineers. So when uh, when we came together, it, it became um, uh, obvious immediately that this is one of the rare projects that's that is incidentally associated with blockchain and can uh, make a difference in, in this field. Uh, but this is one of those rare projects uh, that is uh, that are unapologetically uh, unique and uh, potentially ca- can 
you know, start a new industry or, um, uh, or open up uh, like new avenues of user behavior um, and all of that. So yeah, I, I didn't hesitate to uh, to throw myself uh, to throw my weight in, and now we um, we're working it quite hard and quite uh, intensely. And uh, um, yeah, otherwise before uh, before Tangem, I was interested in in just a few a handful of blockchain projects. Uh, I think Twenty One was quite interesting, um, which later pivoted into earn.com and was acquired was later acquired by coinbase uh 21 was very interesting because like the audacity of of that vision of putin um basically turning every um every device with with uh, um, a chip in it into uh into a blockchain cryptocurrency generating device so they were partnering with Qualcomm was one of the investors who were actually trying to turn every smartphone, every smart TV into a source, uh, into a cryptocurrency miner, not because, you know, not for monetary value, of course, but mostly to, uh, to, so to, to restart, to, to like put another layer, uh, like blockchain layer on top of every online interaction, M2M, like machine to machine or, user to, to server uh, and another project that really I, I, I got my attention very early on and I'm still tracking it was Zcash as the, the first um, successful and popular implementation of this new uh, zero knowledge proof um, uh, technology uh, as applied to, to blockchain uh, which to my mind is fascinating because it, it mathematically guarantees anonymity um, online, which might be the holy grail uh, because like internet unlocked so many avenues of uh, you know, uh, exchange of human knowledge and uh, like interaction and business online. But uh, all of that is essentially based on, uh, on very crude concepts uh, of like communication and there's some cryptography involved, but it's like sometimes easily compromised or broken or blocked. Whereas uh, blockchain technology, um, it, it's very, um, very much uncensorable. It's because of its decentralized distributed nature. And uh, the only downside is it's, uh, it's extremely public. So every blockchain transaction is uh, visible and accessible to, to everyone in the world. Whereas what uh, zero knowledge technology does, it, it essentially guarantees that those uh, transactions and interactions online, uh, they are completely um, impossible to, to trace or, or to, to monitor, uh, uh, I mean, more or less. Yeah. Right, so th those yeah. are the, the projects uh, yeah. I was talking yeah, no, that's super interesting. And I know you have some fascinating ideas and views on several things. And I want to dig into all of those. But before we get to that, let's talk a little bit about your project Tangem. Could you tell us what Tangem does? Right. So Tangem is a hardware uh, microelectronic technology that is currently based on the latest generation of um, secure enclave chips. 
Um, right now we're using, uh, we're using a chip from Samsung, but there are several companies producing this type of chips. And these chips are sim simultaneously possessed to uh, two very important properties. One, they are extremely secure. This is uh, the type of chip that is in every iPhone uh, responsible for Apple Pay. And the reason Apple Pay uh, requires a separate chip is because it contains very important credit card data, like initialized by Visa, MasterCard, American Express, and other companies. And even if your iPhone is stolen, uh, like in a very advanced lab, there might be a chance they'll get uh, the data of the primary memory of your iPhone, let's say your pictures or uh, contacts, but they will um, essentially never be able to hack into that Apple Pay chip because the chip itself was from the ground up designed to be unhackable in such situations. So anyone steals your iPhone, your much of your data could be in, in the hands of very sophisticated attackers, could be compromised, but your credit card data on that chip is never, uh, can never be compromised. So those chips were developed for those uh, secure applications. They're used in the military uh, and government applications like passports, secure IDs like access cards for like confidential information access, all of that. So uh, we use the, the very latest generation of those chips. And uh, the, the, one of the properties is security, and the other property which uh, was only combined with that secure aspect last year is uh, uh, enough power uh, to do uh, elliptic curve cryptography in real time on the chip in fractions of, of a second. Um, this is a smart card chip, so it doesn't require uh, a battery. All it requires for its functionality is um, an NFC antenna. So we actually produce, based on this uh, hardware technology, we produce uh, special plastic cards. They are slightly thinner and slightly smaller than your usual credit card form factor. Um, and they have this NFC antenna inside and the, the secure chip. Um, and through NFC, uh, they can communicate with any NFC-enabled smartphone which is any recent uh, iPhone and any flagship Android device uh, from any manufacturer, uh, like Samsung, Huawei, uh, and all, all of the other ones. And it can communicate very securely with any smartphone. And what uh, we achieved with, uh, so we basically took this, this chip technology and we developed our own operating system. Uh, you can call it firmware. In the industry, it's usually called COS, uh, Card Operating System. Um, and we developed it from the ground up. Uh, and uh, uh, the, the firmware is completely specific to blockchain applications. Um, and in the end, what the product does um, is the chip creates uh, or can create a private key inside itself. Um, using its own uh, random number generator that is completely secure. Um, and uh, it, it creates the, the private key, uh, which means that nobody knows this private key, only the chip does, does know the private key. And uh, it becomes a, basically a Bitcoin or Ethereum wallet. Um, and this wallet is completely tied 
to this smart card. So uh, while you're holding this smart card in your hand, because the private key is only on the chip, it can never be copied, um, then basically the wallet is physical. And while you're holding the, the, the smart card in your hand, uh, you, you have access to the value. If you lose it, you, you lose uh, access to that value, and essentially you lose the value uh, that is inside that wallet. Uh, but also if you give it to another person, you essentially transfer the whole value that is contained within that chip to another person. So we, we call this uh, smart card uh, product, uh, we call it smart banknote, um, because to most people, uh, it is essentially usable as banknotes. So banknotes are very cool, like real paper banknotes, like United States dollar or any other currency. Because every banknote, it's like as if, as if it's a bank account. Like every single paper banknote is a separate bank account that you can, like that anyone can open anywhere in the world without any limitation. You know, you just go somewhere and you can sell some stuff or sell some services or do some work and you, you'll get this paper money as, a, as if it was a bank account. You can close it uh, anywhere in the world at any time by just giving, a, giving the paper banknote away um, and um, essentially getting some you know, goods or services back for it. And you can combine by, or divide uh, by exchanging like smaller bills for, for larger ones and, and vice versa and all of that. And uh, I mean, for hundreds of years, we had coins and banknotes in circulation, so they're very normal to us. But uh, this is truly uh, like one of the miracles of civilization to, to, have, um, to, to have cash uh, monetary system. And uh, I think by when we are talking about blockchain and cryptocurrencies, uh, uh, we, we often uh, don't understand that we, we utterly and solely lacking those aspects of, uh, of paper cash, uh, like being able to you know, freely physically exchange it and secure it and uh, you know, get into get into uh, some money or, or spend some money uh, because with cryptocurrencies it's all still very tacky like the interface is very very tacky so by using this new hardware secure microelectronics technology we are turning cryptocurrencies physical and we're we're solving the security problems of cryptocurrencies uh, not by magically um, somehow you know, uh, making them go away, but by converting them from digital uh, security issues into physical security issues. Like if you have a digital wallet with some cryptocurrency, you have to think about, you know, if it's on your phone or if it's on your computer or if it's uh, in the on online, uh, you have to think about your devices being protected or being hacked, uh, you know, if your smartphone can be hacked or if you forget your passphrase or if the service you're using online like Coinbase or some exchange is going to be hacked and all of that. So it's like, it's a whole bunch of uh, digital security issues that you have to educate yourself uh, on and think about. And most people in the world, um, 
they they are not very savvy like in in, in those terms. But when we convert it back to physical security, we suddenly realize that seven there's seven billion people in the world who know exactly how to use paper cash money, and uh, the the set of skills that they have around paper cash. Uh, like they understand that it has value, that you have to keep it secure, that if you lose it, you lose the value, and if you give it to another person, you transfer the value, all of that. Uh, we can immediately let people, let everyone in the world apply all of those paper cash skills to cryptocurrency. Uh, so that, that's, uh, I think, uh, right. the short version of what we're doing. Sure. So let's get into a little bit more detail of how Tangem actually works and what the customer journey looks like. So you mentioned Tangem Node is a prepaid card. And so do you go to 7-Elevens and other convenience stores and buy it? And then once you've, or like, is there any other place where you can buy it? And then once you've bought this bank note uh, or the Tangem Note, how do you use it? Uh, you mentioned that uh, there's capability for smartphones, uh, any smartphone with NFC capability to accept it, but how does it exactly work? Could you walk us through that customer journey? Right. Um, so basically, Tangem is a hardware technology company. Technically, we don't even touch cryptocurrency uh, in our business. And for distribution, um, basically to distribute our products and get them into customers' hands. We rely on a network of third parties, which are right now limited to uh, Singapore and Hong Kong. Um, and uh, there's a few stores in each of these territories. Um, and uh, the way it happens, so we, we manufacture notes and when they come out of, of the factory, they are fully ready for work, but they're not yet loaded with cryptocurrency. So we distribute the empty, these empty smart banknotes among the stores. And when a customer comes to, to a store uh, and uh, wants to get some Bitcoin uh, and you know, essentially or in physical form uh, on a Tangium card, then the customer uh, just pays money in, uh, in paper cash or credit card. And uh, in return, they get um, our uh, our smart card, our smart banknote, and in the moment of sale, the store initializes the banknote, which essentially um, transfers the uh, denomination of, of the banknote, which are right now we're selling two denominations of, of these cards. Uh, it's 0.01 Bitcoin, which is around 60 USD right now, and 0.05 Bitcoin, which is around 300 USD right now. And um, the, customer, the customer makes a payment for, for this and the store initializes and they transfer uh, cryptocurrency to, to the card. And from then on, it's a, it's a fully functional, real smart banknote with, with the full denomination inside the chip, uh, inside it. Uh, so you can say like from then on, the customer has real physical Bitcoin in their hand. And if they so wish, they can just have it uh, forever, like physically. They can go home, put it in their safe, or give it as a gift to their friends and family, or, uh, or use it uh, as physical payment to anyone who understands Bitcoin and can understand the technology of Tangem. And 
so that's step one, acquiring it. And step two, the use, uh, yes, uh, you can use it as, as gifts or, uh, uh, or you actually there's, the, there's one store in, uh, in uh, Singapore that can sell you precious metals for, for uh, like if you come to them with Tangium cards loaded with Bitcoin, they can take it as payment and sell you some uh, gold or silver bullion. And there are other shops that can give you fiat money at, at the current rate of Bitcoin for, for your Tangium cards. So you, you can like sell it back or exchange it back for goods or, or money. But even if those uh, sellers are, you know, uh, hard to come by or you, you want to, you know, you don't want to go to them for some reason, you can also use your smartphone. Um, and uh, what, what will happen, the smartphone can extract the, the full value of the banknote, of the smart banknote, from, from the smart banknote to any wallet you designate. And uh, the destination wallet can be an exchange or Coinbase or another hot or cold wallet. Whatever it is, you can extract the value. And once you extract the value, you can use an exchange to change it back to fiat uh, online or do anything you want. You can send it digitally to anyone in the world. So these smart banknotes, I, uh, the, you can use them both physically and digitally. Physically, you can just give it to another person as payment and they will check with their smartphone that the banknote is authentic and uh, it has the right balance and they will they can accept it as if it was a uh, uh, you know uh, a bitcoin transaction uh, only this one would be a physical transaction like a physical bitcoin transaction and you can use it also digitally by extracting the funds to another wallet right um, right Right. And is this card reusable? Can I keep topping it up and keep using it versus having to acquire a new empty card and top it up from a convenience store or a 7-Eleven every time? Right. So the, uh, the latest generation of the cards are completely reusable, uh, like forever. Um, so we say um, uh, for like, uh, you, I wouldn't call it a user journey, but a, a user learning curve. So for very new customers that are just, uh, you know, they have heard about Bitcoin. And by the way, our own research shows that there are at least 2 billion people in the world that have heard about Bitcoin. Wow, and, I didn't know uh, that. Uh, yeah, actually, it was surprising even in back in 2015, um, the, there's research that shows over 80% of Americans, like North Americans, US and Canada, uh, were aware of Bitcoin. And that's like three years ago, before right. the ultimate craze. But by now we estimate uh, at least 2 billion people in the world are aware of Bitcoin. Uh, and most of them are curious to try a little bit. Uh, but only uh, like if we define active Bitcoin users, as someone that does at least 100 USD worth of crypto every month, like does something with it, right? Just buy it or sell it or transfer it. If we count those users, then by our estimate, it's below 5 million and it's not growing, it's actually fallen. So there are billions of people that know about Bitcoin, but only a handful of millions that are actually using it, which is crazy. There's in the history of humanity, this is maybe the first product or concept that is uh, so well advertised and marketed, but uh, 
the the barriers to entry are so high that only a tiny tiny fraction of a percentage point uh, actually converts to active users so um, to to like if we talk about the user's learning curve when they first see a tangium node in a store and it's not 7-Eleven yet, but we are available in some stores, like street-level stores in Hong Kong and Singapore, and we are negotiating with more countries around the world to make it uh, more easily and wider, uh, more widely available. So to, to a newcomer that just heard about Bitcoin on the news or somewhere else, they come to the store and they see physical banknote, this physical banknote, smart banknote, and to them, at first, it's just a banknote. It's just a high-tech extremely secure uh, banknote that carries Bitcoin inside. But then as they start learning about uh, the card and Bitcoin, they understand that the same card they got at the store as a banknote, it's actually a fully fledged hardware wallet. So it's completely reusable. It's, they can use it forever. It's extremely secure. Uh, it has a slightly different use case compared to other hardware wallets or software wallets. Um, but it's, it, it, it is very, very convenient for them and they can actually top it up with uh, any amount of Bitcoin and they can spend any fractional amounts of Bitcoin from it. Uh, and then as they go forward and as we develop our own infrastructure, uh, every card uh, can in the future also become a payment card as if it was a, a Visa or MasterCard. And that depends on our partnerships with companies like Pundiax and, and other companies around the world that are working hard to make it easy for merchants to accept uh, cryptocurrency payments. Um, so essentially, you like with Tangium, you go to a store, you buy physical Bitcoin as if it was a smart banknote. But then later on, as you keep learning, it turns out that your smart banknote is, a, is also a hardware wallet. And then as the world develops, it turns out that every... Every tangent card is also a universal payment card that is completely independent of any banking system, of uh, any government. It's just global. It's always uh, available. It doesn't depend on any company in the world. Uh, so that's what we're doing. That, that is fascinating, actually. I never thought about how it could actually you know, just become like a Visa card eventually. Uh, so you mentioned that this card is actually a crypto wallet. So how do I get to know about this wallet's public address? You said it's reusable. So how do I send funds to it? Uh, is there some sort of application which is tied to the card, which is perhaps on the phone? Or like, how does, it, how does the whole mechanism actually work? Or is it actually like you can see the address on the card itself? Uh, right. So, um, yeah, the, the, the whole information about the card is only on the chip. Uh, so... Um, everything outside the chip is uh, completely open source. So the NFC protocol, uh, the, the specification of that protocol, and the apps for our reference apps for the iPhone and Android uh, are all open source. And that means that you can use them to, to scan the card uh, with, with the iPhone or Android and see the public address immediately. And... Uh, it also doesn't depend on our company at all so because it's, it's all open, any company, and we actually have partners around the world that are starting to do this, especially in China. Um, uh, any company can develop uh, this functionality into their own app 
and their apps would be able to scan these banknotes and uh, display the public address and do some other operations with it. Uh, right now, yes, uh, you you have to have a, a phone with NFC in it, and that's uh, again, it's uh, any recent iPhone or any flagship uh, Android device from any manufacturer uh, has NFC in it, and you install uh, a publicly available um, Tangem app uh, from from App Store or Play Store uh, or APK for Android if you prefer, and um, then you you touch the card against your phone, and uh, uh, the application will display the the public address and some other data about the card, including the the current balance that the application will check against the the blockchain and uh, some other technical information. Right. And what's your business model? How do you guys make money? Uh, so right now, Tangem is purely a hardware technology company. We focus in uh, every bit of resource and talent we, we have on uh, manufacturing and uh, uh, the firmware development and, and security. Uh, so we uh, already hired, uh, actually more than once, we, we hired Kudelsky Security, which is a huge a uh, Swiss company, a publicly listed uh, company in Switzerland that did a complete audit first uh, on our security architecture and uh, then uh, on our firmware. And uh, uh, they concluded that the the firmware of Tangium cards is uh, constructed in a way that even if uh, our company or uh, any of our employees or engineers wanted to uh, to do something bad, like to introduce a backdoor or to copy the private key or, or, or anything like that. It is completely impossible. So not only the firmware is secure, but also it, it prevents any wrongdoing or from any external hackers, but also our, uh, our company itself cannot do anything, um, anything to compromise the security of the card. That was extremely important to us because uh, we are a startup. We're just uh, uh, around two years old, and we don't want to make people. You know, we don't want people to to have to trust us. Of course, we are developing our brand of Tangem as as a brand of trust and security. But uh, until we've proven our ourselves uh, to millions uh, and probably billions of of customers, we want uh, them to uh, to be able to look at trusted third parties like security security companies that are auditing us, and to be able to trust them and to be able to trust our technology through their word, not not uh, on our word alone. Uh, so we invest in a lot in, in those security processes, uh, and our whole business model is manufacturing these cards. Uh, we are focused uh, on growth exclusively for the next maybe two or three years, uh, which means that we're trying to uh, distribute these cards uh, at, uh, uh, at uh, wholesale prices very, very close to our costs. And uh, uh, we are also trying to optimize manufacturing and streamline production to make it faster and more cost-effective, 
and we'll we'll pass the savings on to our distributors as well. And uh, I, I think as we grow to uh, you know to significant volumes, we'll be able to uh, push the costs down even further and grow our margins uh, so that we we can we can start thinking about profits later down the line. But right now we like our whole focus is is growth and. Uh, to make it clear, of course, we're a hardware technology company, but uh, every smart card that we manufacture is quite powerful. It's essentially a blockchain computer, every smart card is. So um, we are, of course, thinking about uh, value-added services on top of this platform, uh, but right now the whole focus is on very, very simple functionality. And how much would this card end up costing approximately on average to the end user? Um, so when the end users are uh, purchasing uh, physical Bitcoin in, in our partner stores, uh, the card is essentially free for them because uh, they, they are buying physical Bitcoin at a certain rate and the rate uh, includes the store margin and includes the, the cost of the card. Um, but I can tell you that wholesale uh, prices for, for these cards when the stores uh, buy them in bulk, like hundreds of them or thousands of them, uh, it's around five USD per card right now. And uh, if, if the orders are much larger, like let's say 100,000 at once or 1 million cards at once, then uh, uh, then the way we manufacture it, uh, because it's all in mass production uh, across our, our factories, then the, the cost can go down uh, like to three USD and to two USD. But right now we, uh, we're manufacturing in relatively small volumes, like th thousands of them and tens of thousands, and the, the cost is still uh, at around five USD. Uh, and that's the, the, the same cost that we, we're selling them wholesale to our distributors. Right. Now, sorry. Yeah, uh, yeah we, we're also aware that because we, we, really, uh, we, we really want to find a way to, for billions of people to use this technology. And I, I think when we scale to billions, uh, we can, with some advances and some minor breakthroughs in, in the technology and manufacturing of it, we can probably get the cost down to a level where essentially it's comparable to the cost of pr producing uh, high-quality paper banknotes. Um, and, uh, uh, you know, a paper banknote like 100 USD or 50 USD or like 100 euro, the cost of uh, production is public. You can look it up. It's uh, maybe 20 to 30 cents for, for, the, uh, for the top value uh, paper bills, uh, like maybe a one dollar bill is is cheaper to produce, but hundred USD dollar bill is like fifteen, twenty, uh, thirty cents, depending on like country and currency. And uh, I, I think we can get within one, uh, you know, we, we can easily get within one order of magnitude from there, which means that this technology can be used for, for mass market adoption and. Uh, Eventually, because more, many countries are now adopting uh, or looking at adopting blockchain technology for their national like sovereign currency, and, and we're actually in talks with 
the Sovereign Project, which recently announced its partnerships with the Republic of Marshall Islands to um, to produce their own uh, cryptocurrency, like sovereign cryptocurrency. Uh, we're in talks to you know apply our technology to make it also physical. Uh, so we envision that this type of technology can be put into every paper banknote uh, in in the foreseeable future. So that is fascinating. So there's a couple of things you pointed out there, which I didn't know. So first of all, I didn't know it costs that much to create a traditional banknote. Uh, you mentioned 20, 30 cents for a hundred dollar note. I didn't know that. Um, and and also I, you know, while I was researching about tangent notes, I didn't think about um, governments and, and uh, you know, the, these uh, tangent notes being used by uh, nations for their own sovereign cryptocurrencies. So that's fascinating as well. Um, so what does your roadmap look like over the next uh, six to 12 months? You mentioned that you, you're already present in some places in Singapore and Hong Kong. Do you have any particular target markets that you want to enter um, or any kind of customers or that you are looking to attract over the next, you know, uh, in the next uh, sort of six to 12 months? Uh, right. So I, I think we have some, uh, we have some numbers in, in our head uh, that we, we, we're trying to achieve uh, and we're pretty confident uh, how to get there. So I think like the, the six month horizon for us. Uh, uh, so right now we're in very early pilot mode. Um, so the, the whole technology is uh, fully production ready, uh, but there's only a few thousand people in the world, uh, like maybe two or three uh, thousand people in the world that actually have our notes uh, with them and are using them. Um, and uh, hopefully happy about them. Like most of them, uh, actually most of our early adopters are uh, exceptional people that, uh, you know, spread the word around and are so happy about it and are very enthusiastic and come back to us with more ideas and all of that. So it's just a few thousand people now. But in the next six months, we, we want to get to about 100,000 people uh, around the world, maybe in... Uh, 20, 30 countries. We know how to do that uh, through multiple types of distribution. And uh, that is still very early stage for us. Uh, but the next year, uh, I think, will be uh, already like, well, we have to start about millions. Uh, we have to start thinking about millions because, again, the, the ultimate goal is to make it a truly mass market product for billions of people around the world. Uh, because we know that it is useful, it can bring value to everyone, at least uh, to to the 2 billion people that already know about Bitcoin and ready to try, and uh, they have a little bit of disposable income to, to, to get into this. All they lack is a, is a good way to actually go to a store or somewhere and, and get Bitcoin without spending hours learning about software and how to secure your wallet and all that so without all that effort they just want a, a simple way to own and use bitcoin and i think we can target that pretty effectively and uh personally i'd really you know I, I, w w what we're working on is a roadmap that would allow us to get to uh to the first billion and maybe to the first two billion within two three years which is extremely aggressive but 
at least like that's the that's the number we we have in our mind and sort of sort of the focus uh, and to do that uh, i think already like it's a sort of a b2b2c product and strategy and the the b2c part like the uh, the customer end it's already pretty much solved for us especially if it's an early stage customer which just wants to who just wants to get to buy a little bit of Bitcoin and to experiment with it, not necessarily to use it daily, like to go to Starbucks and buy some coffee with it, but just to have it, to maybe use it as a gift or just to have it at home. So for those customers, we already solved the user experience, but the B2B part of B2B2C, the uh, merchant integration, that's what we're working very hard on because uh, it's still a challenge for um, like 7-Eleven uh, retail chain to put it in their stores because uh, it's Bitcoin. It's uh, the price. The pricing is volatile, and uh, you might have heard that some retail chains are actually selling Bitcoin around the world. But uh, what they're really selling is uh, most often not Bitcoin. What they sell is just they take a fiat money and transfer them to a centralized platform, like, which is usually an exchange. Uh, like let's say Bitpanda is doing it in Austria, I think, and some other countries. Uh, in uh, uh, Taiwan, you can go to Family Mart and buy Bitcoin, quote unquote, um, uh, or, and they give you a piece of paper. But then there's a second step. You have to go home, you have to register on that centralized platform, whether that is, uh, uh, you know, uh, some local exchange or some other service, and then you have to do KYC, all of that. Then you you have to uh, get your own wallet, and then they can transfer money there. So it's not really buying Bitcoin. It's actually just uh, uh, you know transferring your fiat money to some centralized entity. So what we want to do is to sell Bitcoin in those retail chains without a second step needed. So you, you go to 7-Eleven, you buy this plastic card. There's no second step because the plastic card is Bitcoin itself uh, with the chip inside. And for that to work, um, the, those retail chains, they have to integrate with uh, uh, entities that will do real-time conversion of fiat payments to cryptocurrency. So um, it's very territory-specific. Uh, every territory has different regulation, different local players, uh, different banking systems. So it, it takes a lot of effort to, to manage that. Um, as a company, uh, we have, again, focused on just hardware technology. So all of those commercial aspects and integration and business aspects in every country in the world, we're trying to find and select two, three uh, perfect partners for us who will get uh, like the bulk of the margin for like all of this circulation and new business. But uh, at the same time, they will allow us to focus on what we do best, which is hardware and technology and uh, security, but they will manage the monetary services around, uh, around that process. So once that is solved, I think it can scale to every single, uh, you know, place of, uh, place of retail business in the world uh, very quickly. Um, and we're working on that for, you know, the next six to maybe 12 months.
Well, uh, so I must say that it's a fascinating and a very ambitious project and I hope that it works out and I wish you the best. Uh, well, <laughs> that's always, yeah, very good to hear. Yeah. Thank you. If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to this podcast on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Like us on Facebook, Twitter, LinkedIn, and Telegram, and subscribe to our newsletter on decrypt.asia. This is your host, Tashar. Thank you for listening.